guess. Hello world, huh? <laughs> oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Light the candle! What? Well, I thought Poulter was number two in the world. <laughs> um. <laughs> Expect anything different? All possible, Garrett. Yes, it is, Frank. Yes, it is. And <laughs> <laughs> how about the rise smile on Tiger's face? Yeah. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Sunday Red Podcast. For those of you who are new here, welcome. For those returning, welcome back. We have a full episode for you all today. We're recapping the WGC event. Uh, we're going to be talking our beach chicken of the week, our fan segment right in. What is your handicap is back, which is probably the most talked about segment since we have launched this show. Jack gives us a little insight into the world of Tiger Woods and also our first ever Masters segment. There's six weeks until the Masters. We will be previewing three holes until the event that is led by Jacko, plus the Honda Classic and our picks, plus so much more. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps so very much. But without further ado, everyone, let's jump into today's episode. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Sunday Red Podcast. Jacko, what's up with you, man? What's happening? Not much, Simo. You know, just uh, back at it here with the boys. I got to work on my intros. I had a couple things written down, but I just, I can't, I can't pull the trigger on it. So I'm going to throw it right over to Rex, toss the ball right to his court, baby. <laughs> Unlike you, I do have something written down for this, <laughs> for our intro today. And give me a second here. I'm going to try not to laugh while I say this. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition like any other, the Masters on CBS. In about four hours time, the sporting public will be watching from around the world. The long-time honored ceremony, the presentation of the green jacket from right here in Butler Cabin. I have a new mic. Did I sound like Jim Nance there? <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. Just not quite as not quite as smooth. Don't quite have the delivery, but you yeah, know what? The delivery needs some work, but it sounds it sounds like a gem. I am now a podcaster. I bought myself a microphone. So. <laughs> Hopefully the audio is good for you guys. Um, before getting started, I always have a couple notes. I uh, did listen to a little bit of last week's podcast. I owe an apology to our fans. Yes, I was battling a little bit of a cold. Yes, I was sniffling for the majority of the podcast. But I was, you know what? I was powering through. And I did have one quick nose blow in the middle of like towards the end, I guess. I did hear that. And I apologize. Not ideal, but I'm feeling a little bit better this week, still a little nasally, but uh, I'm ready to roll. And this is going to be a jam-packed episode because I have a lot of opinions going forward here. I'd I like to it. say I'd apologize for my dog barking, but my dog's name's Tiger, and there's no need to apologize for my big guy. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to be on the pod, that's all. Tiger's always welcome on the pod. <laughs> yeah, um, No doubt. But uh, big week, uh, P. Reed, one of the best guys out there on tour everyone loves the guy got a big w this week dechambeau boo <laughs> right behind him too another your, gem your pick uh, my pick like picks again i don't We're know not... if this is a uh, shot in the dark so my cousin laughed because he's like well you guys picked like 10 guys each so one of them is bound to do well <laughs> <laughs> which is very true 
Which is true, but we're did, sticking did to it. Them, did you tell them there's 72 guys in the field, though? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And usually there's 160-something, so I think we're doing okay. I think we're doing great. But, uh, yeah, kind of a different event. Uh, the golf course, Chipotepec, I kind of found was a little bit different, especially the first two holes, like drivable par fours. These guys are hitting three woods, like knocking on the green. Um, three yards away. Three, yeah, exactly. Easily hitting it. But what'd you guys, what'd you guys think of the event overall? I actually, I actually love the course. Um, I like it because it's different. Um, a couple things while watching coverage this week. Um, uh, yes, you can be very aggressive. But also being aggressive leads to big time trouble because we saw balls just like guys hit it like maybe 10 yards left off the fairway and they're just bounding 50, 60 yards away. Um, yes, we have the calculations with all the yardages. And I think uh, the golf coverage did a very good job as far as calculating at elevation and then doing the, um, the elevation to, of the actual shot. So 32 feet up or whatever. And then they're kind of clubbing you. I think that keeps you kind of interactive, uh, interacting with the the coverage because watching guys hit eight iron 225 yards is a little bit different. Yeah. Once again, very difficult to putt those greens. Uh, we saw guys struggle on the greens again. And, um, I noticed come Sunday guys were being a lot less aggressive, um, because they know how much troubles around the golf course, but I thought it was a, a good change of pace. And I love the golf course. I love the setup of it. I like that they led in, uh, kids free admission too there's a, a a bunch of young kids watching the golf and they kind of made it a thing and it was nice to see for sure uh we'll skip on the the first and second place uh finishes <laughs> but i do have a few guys to talk about after giver talks here i, I was just I, I have two things uh i'll go with my first thing first that might go down in the history as the worst final group ever <laughs> absolutely it's, it's ever did I, my my question on that? Do you think they talk to each other, like, or do you think they like each of them hate each other? Like, you know, if if both of them are the two of the, I guess, most disliked guys on tour, do they like each other just because they're at the bottom of the barrel, or do they hate each other too? Well, Reed and Reed and Deschambeau weren't playing in the same group. Deschambeau is the group ahead the final day. Yeah. Oh, what did I thought? They, did they play together on Saturday? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I thought no. they played together. Oh, oh huh. no, sorry. Dishambo Reed watched uh, Dishambo uh, bogey seventeen, or he knew he bogeyed seventeen. And like after the round, they showed like the cheesiest little clip of like Dishambo going to congratulate Reed, and like they're like giving high fives. And I'm like, oh, it's just. I sent that to you, Gibber. I'm glad you pay attention to what I send you for our podcast. But it <laughs> so was just... I'll grab that. I, I, I do apologize. I didn't get to much, uh, watch uh, much golf this week, and I was busy. But when I, I saw the top of that leaderboard, I was like, oh, my God. I can't even I, – I couldn't even turn it on when they were in the lead. Yeah. One of the guys that I watched that I actually don't didn't know much about, but I really like this guy's game, pants style is actually pretty decent, is Van Ruyen. That could be that could be up for a big debate as far as the pants style goes. He's a taller guy, six three. Yeah. He's got like for those that you don't know, he's got like the cuffed pants, and they sit a couple inches above his uh, shoes. Uh, it's unique for him, and I don't hate it. I'm glad that he's like uh, it works more for uh, he's, he's South African, right? Um, works yep. better for a South African guy than it totally. would a North American guy. Oddly enough, um, I did have him written down on my notes for guys to talk about because one uh, extremely talented player. Um, trying to play his way onto the PGA Tour. I believe he's living in the States now. Two, does he not look like the guy from the movie Blow? Like Johnny Depp's buddy that like throws him under the bus? I wish I knew his name. But if you guys <laughs> I know, I know what you're talking the about. Movie, he kind of looks like him. And, and um, 
Yeah, for some reason, he just stood out to me on coverage. And up until the back nine on Sunday, it looked like he was uh, giving it a good run. I think a double bogey cost him on, uh, I want to say, 12. I think I owe a huge apology. I think a couple weeks ago, I gave Rory shit for becoming number one in the world. And I said he was a sketchy number one. And you did he just say popped. That. He just popped another top five and someone sent me some stats where that's six weeks in a row uh, where he's been in the top five and he's won <laughs> two of them. So Rory, like I am completely sorry. And you're a, uh, a great, he, he deserves number one player in the world right now. He's playing the best. Yeah. Rory, I'll, I'll, I'll Rory I do not goal. apologize. <laughs> you, what you said, I remember this is you said it was a sketchy way to get to number one. It was without a yes. win. Right, so it, it's not that it is a sketchy number one. It was a you know more of an asterisk, like taking it that week without you I know. It, it. It's nice when you you get in you know uh, into the winner circle and then you take over number one in the world. Um, but uh, no, I, I think obviously Roars is awesome. <laughs> the stats don't lie; he's there every week. I just want him to start pulling through and winning some more. Yeah, and like number one is different than the best player in the world. Yes, right now he's the best player in the world. The number one ranking, the way the uh, world uh, the world ranking system works, is one of Brooks Kepka's wins from the previous years fell out of the points contention for the world rankings. That's what bumped Rory up to clarify how that kind of works. And to me, I'm not I'm not going to even apologize because I would love to see Rory start closing tournaments at a crazy pace because you know he can but we see week after week he's right there and uh it seems like sunday he's like having a little bit of a falter the putter's letting him down a little bit and uh, we're talking about a generational talent and if he wants to be talked about in the upper echelon of golfers yes he's gonna have to start winning these events that he's contending in yeah Totally. I even think uh, watching Justin Thomas was a bit shocking for me this weekend because I like that was my pick going into Sunday. If I had to pick a guy, I think he's a guy that sort of consistently he he does a good job of closing tournaments, but just didn't have it. Maybe it was like a, a, a something that he's been feeling the last couple of weeks. I know Kari a couple of weeks ago, he didn't uh, you picked him for having a bad week, which he did. And maybe he's still kind of fighting a little bit of those demons or swing thoughts. I don't know. Well, he got the lefts. He got the lefts. We all know, like he and he was, uh, he was and lucky the right. I saw more lefts than I saw rights, but uh, he was lucky to have a lot of shots into the greens on the front nine. Yeah. He hit that very impressive left-handed, like little cutter up towards the green. That was nuts. But uh, all, you can't play from that those positions and still win a golf tournament. It's just not uh, sustainable. Well, you you watch? Uh, have you seen the videos of JT hitting it lefty? Like it's it's actually really good. He's like the the videos bounce around between him, Fowler. I think Roars. Uh, they t- all took videos themselves on. Uh, I think JT put it on TrackMan. His, his stats were pretty good too. It was crazy like to think he could hit the ball that well left-handed. Yeah, That's, they did it. Like they did that in an event. I think on the tenth hole, like in the pro am, they they had left-handed clubs for everyone, and they like had the track men, so they all like hit it left-handed, and they were actually all really impressive. Like I've heard guys like VJ Singer scratch golfers left-handed. Um, I'm lucky to make contact on two <laughs> swings back to back left-handed. Like um, that that is a talent beyond belief, and uh, I don't I do not have that talent. <laughs> Before we move on, the one thing I did want to talk about too is just. You know, we talked about dialing in numbers and how far these guys were hitting golf balls. I have actually never played at, at altitude like that to have the ball fly so far. Uh, like even like say like a Colorado or something like that. Never, never played up that way. 
But the question I have is when you get someone hitting a seven iron, 240 yards, is that seven iron landing like the same seven iron you would normally have hit from, you know, 190? Or is it landing like, say, like a hybrid, right? Because if you look at your your sea level yardages, right, your, you know, 240s, like, you know, the long players are a three iron. Most players are between a five wood and a hybrid. So it, when the ball's landing, how hard is it landing? Soft like it normally would, or is it landing like like a missile, like a like a wood would come in? A big thing about elevation, playing at elevation, is it changes the ball's characteristics in the air, and the ball is simply not spinning as much either because it doesn't have as much wind resistance to hit that spin. So it, it is something you need to calculate. It's not landing like a regular 7-iron from, let's say, 185. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a very tough adjustment. Um, you know, you go from, you know, playing in California uh, at the Genesis and going to Mexico and you're hitting it 45, 50 yards longer. And, you know, your irons are like three, four uh, iron variations there. It, it uh, For me, that would be the hardest part because if it's not landing uh, the same, and I think it would get even harder as you got down to, you know, your pitching wedges, your sand wedges and, you know, the your, your field shots. I think Rory stats his lob wedge was flying 146 or something crazy. Yeah, yeah I think um, it's just a uh, sort of cut you off, car. I think it's a, a classic example and validation of kind of what we talked about last week with changing the golf ball, about limiting the flight, how quickly they can transition to with the elevation changes and their distances. Like, you give them a new golf ball, they're figuring that out in a day. Yeah. If your comment last week needed any sort of yeah. support, we learned it within four days. <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely, yeah. Simo. And I would argue that um, how your ball comes into the green is more of an adjustment than actually just changing the yardage of the club. Once you get that dialed in with TrackMan, you're good to go. Um, I do want to mention two players before moving on. Um, Terrell Hatton, back on tour after... Uh, a long hiatus. He played very well, and that's all I'm really going to say about that. I'm looking for this guy playing well all year. He's a fantastic uh, entertainer on uh, the social media platform as well, like Twitter. Gives us a little bit more ammo to talk about, which is great. And um, uh, both the Mexicans uh, answer and Ortiz. Oh man, it was awesome to watch them play in front of their whole home crowd. Those guys are superstars, and uh, they're fantastic. Uh, fantastic for the growing the game in mexico and it was nice to see them both play really well uh, uh ortiz's first time in the world golf championship and obviously answer has been there before so it was great to see and even that sean 17 where he stuffed in in front of like the biggest gallery yeah. of the day that was loud and really cool um are we done with wgc we're done with wgc okay can we talk very quickly about uh, puerto rico sure okay um uh if for golf fans, they know that Victor Hovland won. You probably didn't see too much coverage, but I, the only thing I really want to mention, congratulations, Hovland. That's great. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be contending going forward. He might even contend for majors. Like someone might've predicted at the beginning of our uh, Sunday red podcast. But have you guys heard of the Puerto Rican curse for winning nope. in Puerto Rico? Never heard of okay. it. Okay. I, and my numbers could be skewed, but I think that event's been going on for 11 years. Whoever's won that event has not won another PGA Tour event. Like ever or that year? No, ever. Wow. They're all one-time winners. One guy's won the Puerto Rico Open twice, but Tony Finau's in that category. So I hope the same thing doesn't happen to our boy Victor Hovlin. But when I read that, I'm like, are you kidding? That's ridiculous, man. Um, 
so yeah, just a weird fact that's happened there, and I thought it was worth mentioning. I don't know if you guys want to comment or not. That's a that's actually a crazy stat, but I would be. I'm going to mention this, and this may be a bold, but I think Victor Hovland and Tony Finau are going to win again. I think Victor so, Hovland may win again, like within this year or next year. That kid's 100%. really good. Same with really Finau. good. I just thought it was an interesting stat. Eleven years is a long time. Yeah, and Jacko, like I'll I'll let you comment on it. But another thing about that tournament too is, yeah, he made that long putt on the last hole, which was awesome to see his reaction to it. Awesome, like just super. I feel like that's how we would react if we made that putt right now. It's like kind of like disbelief. But the one thing is, uh, Josh Teeter, the guy who came in second. I don't know if you saw. Did you guys see his interview after it all? No. Yeah. It, worth looking up. He was super emotional, um, older guy. Like, I think it meant a lot to him. And I think he, I think more guys that watch that, maybe I'll pop that in the show notes link, uh, that interview, but like, I'm a Josh Teeter fan. I, I hope this guy really wins, but, uh, definitely worth checking out that little video too. Cool. I'll take a look after this yeah. for sure. One thing, what do you guys think Victor Hovland's? He's got the two driver swings. He's got the, you know, the I'm Phil Mickelson, I'm going to hit a bomb, and then he's got the second serve. But they're very, it. two very, very distinct golf swings. It's, it's like they're wildly different, but it he makes it work on both of them. And when he go and he rips that one, it is an absolute missile. You're talking about the one where he like kind of like pauses it's a and double pump. It, it gives it the old double it. pump. Yeah. I tried to do that on the range last year for two swings, <laughs> and for the sake of the sky marks on my driver, I didn't want to try it anymore. I'm like, <laughs> it is it is tough to do, and uh, I like that he's got the kind of the. I mean, we won't do the Patrick Reed comparison at the Masters when he was kind of hitting that helicopter cut, but um, he has a ball that could keep him play under pressure, and uh, he is a. I mean, coming out of, he's a cowboy, right? Coming out of school, he played with Wolf and, and those other big names. He was arguably the most talented one in uh, in college golf. So uh, look out for this guy. He's the last one to win out of the Wolf uh, more cow group. But uh, it was only a matter of time before he notched a win. No doubt. All right, uh, let's jump right in. Who is our beach chicken this week? Okay, yeah, I, I didn't tell you guys, but I'm sure you could guess. I'm going with the, the standard fastball, and it's our it's our friend Patrick Reed. Um, since our last podcast, uh, more dirt has been um, sh- shoveled on Patrick Reed, I guess. No pun intended for the Hero <laughs> World Challenge there. Um, uh, Peter Costas came out with that interview. I can't remember who it was with, but uh, he had some very strong remarks as far as seeing Patrick Root, uh, Reed improve his lie personally with his own eyes um, in tournaments. And uh, he said, I think four times he's seen it. He, he's he's seen it happen in front of him, and he didn't say anything because commentators are not supposed to become the story. Um, this guy is just a straight up cheater. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I'm being. I'm trying to be very um, reserved in my uh, my true emotions for Patrick Reed without swearing. But um, there's one thing that golfers have as a whole. Uh, it doesn't matter at what level or uh, what level of competition, I should say, is we govern ourselves. So if you're not honest with yourself, you're not honest with the game, and, um, and you lose the whole integrity of the game or the purpose of the game. Um, a couple things about Patrick Reed. Yes. He cheated. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that he was trying to improve his lie, uh, lie in the bunker at the Hero. Um, 
I think when he puts his club behind the ball and like twirls it, we've seen it even before the hero. I think he has intentions of improving his lie. Um, and lots of times when you're playing tournament golf, you're not even around the guy. Like just say for us, an amateur game or call a professional game, you're not looking at a guy that close to assume that um, you're, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Never assume that he's trying to improve his lie. Um, so I'm, I'm glad it's kind of got brought to light. And I hope for his sake, things change because the PGA Tour did a horrible job handling that. But I think if it happens one more time, they're going to have to set a, set a very stern example towards him. And I know this is long-winded, but I just want to talk about Pat, or Patrick Reed as Captain America. And I think it's complete bullshit, okay? Yeah. He came out in 2014, 2016, yes. He played great in the Ryder Cup. He also had a very good part, partner in Jordan Spieth, who at that time was the number one player in the world. Yes, his record was very good, and yes, he did win some big singles matches. But I just want to look over in the last two years, we can go over Ryder Cup and President's Cup. So in the uh, Ryder Cup in France, his record was 1-2-0. and And if you guys remember correctly, he called out... Um, Actually, I don't know if it was even him calling him out, but Jordan Spieth and him were not paired that week. And Jim Furyk kind of had to jump on a grenade as to why they weren't. But I believe Jordan Spieth said he didn't want to play with Patrick Reed anymore. And for some reason, Patrick Reed was confused about that. I'm, su- I'm surprised anyone wants to play with him. <laughs> um, uh, we, look, we could look as uh, soon as the, uh, the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. Once again, a record of 1-3-0. and uh, sub 500 and for a guy that's deemed captain america and has it stamped all over his putter and his his bag and he's trying to make a thing of it his record in now Ryder cup and president's cup combined is now 11 10 and 5 to me that's nothing to write home about um i think the best way to be the uh, great teammate and Ryder cup or president's cup partner is to go out there do everything you can and be a good teammate. I think that's what would make Captain America. So that uh, title drives me nuts. And uh, that's all I'll really have to say, because I'm sure he'll be a future beach chicken uh, for years to come. Yeah, I I agree. I think he could probably be uh, the beach chicken award every week here. But uh, the one thing I wanted to say about Patrick Reed, once a cheater, always a cheater. Uh, There's a reason why he left Oklahoma and went to Augusta State. Um, that's because all of the guys in this team caught him cheating and stealing stuff from the locker room from other teammates. Uh, so that's why he left Oklahoma, went to Augusta. Was he, was it, was it Oklahoma? Sorry. I'm pretty sure it was Oklahoma. Okay. I know he ended up at Augusta state, but I just wasn't sure. But, uh, I did actually, I'd even look at my notes here because I just started ranting there. I apologize guys. But, uh, (laughs) I believe one of his college teammates or roommate wrote a book or an article that's, uh, that, uh, said Patrick Reed stole from one of their teammates and he was cheating in an event there. So yeah, just to further support your hypothesis, I don't think this guy's a good person and the people that defend him, he needs to give me a reason to not to defend him rather than rip him apart like we're doing. If, if they catch him again, what do you think the, the implications are? I'm not sure, but I hope they handle it correctly. I don't Suspended. think they did a lot. Kick time. him off the tour, Doug. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> Suspended. It was, uh, it was Georgia. He went to Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Georgia Bulldogs, yeah. yeah I, I, uh, oddly enough, I do not like a lot of Bulldogs alumni. It's just the way it is. I don't know why. <laughs> got to be the recruitment the recruitment's <laughs> off 
Um, but yeah, just briefly, the guy's a cheater. I'm going to take a huge stance on this. He's a cheater. The PGA Tour has this thing where they don't want to state what's actually going on in the world of their players. They want it to be a squeaky clean thing. He should have been suspended. He should get his pay taken away. That's the only way that you're going to gain the respect from a lot of these players. And them not doing that, like that to me as a player, would entice me more to go to these new tours coming up where you get to make more money. Good spin. And you're not having to play with guys like that and worry about players like that. Uh, but yeah, once a cheater, always a cheater. This guy's a joke. And yeah, I love I'm going to leave it at that. This I was trying to be reserved in my answer, but I like your your stance way like better. It. And right out of my friends that have ever listened to me talk about Patrick Reed, they've heard the real uncensored, yeah. uncensored version, <laughs> and it's not friendly. Um, and for our listeners, we are being very, very, very nice right now when yeah. we talk about Patrick Reed. You know, it makes Bryson DeChambeau look like an absolute saint compared to compared to him, for sure. A hundred percent. Bryson's just different. Like, I don't want to get too much into it, but I, I have, you know what? I don't like Bryson, but I also have a little bit of a soft spot for him. And he doesn't cheat. Like, you know, this guy consistently comes out here. If anyone's played golf remotely, you know that what he was doing with the his shovel wedge was cheating. And the fact that he states he didn't do it. And then the fact That's that even he more just, pathetic. Yeah. He's like he, a man. He like, doesn't bring it up after the fact that he got this win last week. Like, uh, it makes me cringe when I have to look at his name. And a WBC too. Brutal. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I mean, we unfortunately like this is ridiculous because I have this is we're going to try and keep this podcast short, but we have so many points. The person at the World Golf Championship is ten point five million. Like Premier Golf League, what do you are you are you trying to compete with that? I'm confused. Yeah. Where does the winner get ten mil? Winner per? gets ten point five. Oh, okay, so the yeah, post the, is like ridiculously high then. Okay, yeah, or, or like maybe the the world or yeah, a good segue. Like, going into the Premier Premier Golf League, I want to talk a couple things about that anyway. But I would imagine I wonder like what is the full payout in the Premier Golf League? Right? Is you know is it just stacked at the top and then you know know they're paying the top 10 really good and then they're going to phase it out and the you know below top 10 are going to kind of get you know the, the chicken scraps but the thing i want to say did you guys see rory's comments rory's that rory's out you know yeah. rory's out yep. so there there's a lot of year up is likely out behind him but it was what i found was funny was the, I, the moment Rory said he was out, Brooks is like, yeah, they do it for 10.5, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it was like of one funny. of those, like, just right away, Rory's is out, I'm in. <laughs> well, the, the owner's talking, um, Rory is kind of gaining, with the media, he has a soft spot for me as well. He's wise beyond his years with his calculated statements. He thinks everything through, and he has a bigger picture of the game in his mind in everything he does, which I think is pretty special. He's uh, he's very good for the game of golf, although I don't uh, root for him every week. There's That's nothing against him. I don't root for a lot of guys uh, in, a, in a week. But um, him saying that and talking about the, the future of the game or um, – the implications the Premier Golf League may have. I thought that was really interesting. And when the owner had a rebuttal about, um, yeah, but in the past, if Arnold Palmer didn't go over and play the Open Championship or try these different things, we might we might, might not be a global game now. But I actually think Rory um, thinks about his impact on the game and he bases his answers. Um, he knows the stage he's on, and I think he does a good job basing his answers or um, his career trajectory towards those uh, those positive things. Totally. I love it. Uh, all right, we're going to make a little bit of a shift here. I'm going to throw an audible at you guys right, right now. Audible. 
Oh, okay. At the line. Uh-oh. We have a b- between uh, Jim Nance intro and maybe my yeah. statement, we're going to have a lot of audibles today. Yeah. <laughs> little little quick audible at the line. I saw something different in the defense Omaha. and we're making a Omaha. shift. <laughs> exactly. So, no Canadian of the week this week. Uh, what I want to state, I'm just going to state it super briefly. I'm just going to state that I think we'll recognize Canadians that have done something great in the game. I feel like this week, uh, giving someone the Canadian of the week because they got a top 30 or did something would just be a disrespect to them because I think that they have more in them. Everyone who played this week, you got more in you. So we're going to read on that. But what I will say, I want to go a huge shout out to uh, one of the veterans on tour that doesn't get a lot of love. We give him love. Chucky Three Sticks, Charles Howell third. One of the most impressive stats. So, okay, he came tied for 53 this week, made 39,100, which doesn't seem like much, but it put him over the million-dollar mark for the 20th consecutive season. Only Phil Mickelson has done that more. That's crazy to That's think. That's wild. It's amazing. He's kept his game so consistent for so long. And, you know, because he's been always one of those guys like you. I find he's never been considered in, you know, that top five category in the world, but he's always there, you know, always there. And he's just consistently cashing checks, making cuts. And, you know, I think it's huge. Congratulations to Chucky three, six. Um, that is, you know, an accomplishment. I don't think many other players will ever, ever get to, you know, that, that puts him in a, you know, world elite class with, with, uh, with Phil and, and, and him. Right. So that, that is, that's awesome. I know it's kind of a really bizarre thing to say about professional golfers or professional athletes, but even 20 years ago, a million dollars was like so much money. And you, you see the like the winners per share of the purse and stuff like that. But he, this guy hasn't won a, a, a quite a bit and on the PGA Tour. Uh, I don't know how many wins he has. I want to guess it's less than five. Um, but the fact that he's been that consistent um, for that long, like 20 years ago, think about that beginning of 2000, that was like right when the Tiger era was coming and the purses were really starting to go up. That level of consistency um, is remarkable. And I always cheer for this guy each week. Um, you And I even said it like when we were making our picks last week at Riv. He had a horrible round, really good round, horrible round, really good round. He played absolutely atrocious in the first two, two, two and a half rounds, I guess, at uh, in Mexico. He still battles back, fires like a six under par round on the back nine on Saturday, and then like gets a two or three under on Sunday, just grinding away. Um, I, th- yeah, I love him. Um, I always cheer for him, and I hope he notches another win in twenty twenty. And it's funny. I think I think you look at yeah. I would love to see him win too. But you look at uh, Chucky, and you think. He looks like he could play golf for another twenty years and be just turning the same stats, right? And yeah, uh, but and you look well, yeah, a million dollars twenty years ago—that is, you know, that's probably up in the top of the money list when you when you really compare things out. Mm. But uh, now, you know, a million bucks is much lower uh, in comparison. But uh, yeah, no, I think he—he's—I think he's got a long time left on tour. I don't his card's not going anywhere. When you're, <laughs> you know, you're making a million bucks every year for twenty years, you're you're going to be riding it out on the tour for a long, long, long time. Yeah. Sneakily, one of the most insane gear junkies on the PGA tour. He would really appreciate the wrench talk segment. <laughs> he tinkers and tinkers and tinkers, does his own stuff with his equipment. He's uh he's very adamant on what gear he likes to play. Can I, I make it. a can I make a comparison? I, if I was to compare this generation's Chucky 36, Kevin Kisner. 
How do you like that comparison? A I guy not doesn't I'm not ready a to lot, jump on but that. he's always he's always there. He's consistently making cuts, uh, but he's always at he's like a top twenty, top thirty guy every single week. He, he's not doing anything flashy, and you know hasn't won a ton, but a uh, great guy and also an unbelievable player. I think you know Kevin Kisner is probably fifteen years younger than Charles Howell, so you know maybe twenty years down the road we look at uh, Kiz, maybe he's hitting that stat too. Well, with inflation, it would have to be probably earning th- over three or five million dollars a year. But yeah, I see what you're saying. But, yeah, uh, you could even say Cooch. You could even talk about a guy like Cooch matching up with him. Yeah, Cooch. I like Cooch better than Kiz. Maybe because this is just the personalities. I know Kiz is so much different than Chucky Three Stick. Yeah, just from like, what you see on TV. But. No doubt. All right, fan segment of the week. First of all, appreciate all the fans writing in different uh, different questions. This week is a uh, is a question, and. Uh, through this person's answer, you may guess who he is or who she is or who it is. Sound good? You ready? I'm ready. All right, boys. What is your go-to non-golf specific item? Whether it's a food, a drink, or something that you may have in your bag or you constantly put on like finger tape, which allows you to perform at your best physically and mentally on the golf course. It could be a secret sandwich filled with Nutella and peanut butter on 12 grain, a standard green Gatorade bottle filled with bio steel or anything in weird or quirky you might use. Um, but you could say that the person who wrote in this individual uses a combination of a baby powder and body glide, which oh. is an anti blister and chafe bomb and is essential to his success, not only on the golf course, but in life. <laughs> So, yeah, me, we all know this person very, very, very well. Absolutely. Oh, man, that's funny. That uh, would certainly be our buddy Taylor Tominski. A legend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Taylor Tominski, the only guy that just chafes like you wouldn't believe. Oh, you man. Johnson and Johnson should sponsor that guy. Give him a bag logo. Oh yeah, you'd be you know you look at funny sponsors. Yeah, you would have what is it? Astro Glide and Johnson and Johnson. Body Glide. <laughs> I love Body Glide out of that. Quick, quick, funny story about train. Probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. At Rick's, I don't know if you were there that day, but uh, when we were out in Thunder Bay visiting you, and we were playing Whitewater, and the third hole train went in the woods, had to take his underwear off. <laughs> 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 and he came, yeah, it was we, that was you had. To, I think you had to work or something, and we went out and played Whitewater in the afternoon. And we got to the third hole, he couldn't walk anymore, so he had to take his underwear off. Man, you you wow. can light a match off that guy's butt cheeks. They're so raw. It's unreal. <laughs> like, oh, man. I feel bad for I feel bad for guys like that. Like, I have a couple buddies that just, like, I don't know what it is. Just their body's not meant to have that type of friction. Maybe it's a certain skin type, whatever it is. But uh, I feel for you. But going back to the question, I'll keep it on the rails here. Yeah. It, uh, for me, when I'm playing a casual round of golf, this is going to sound lame, but I'm going to say it anyway, is just an ice cold beer. I, I don't <laughs> like drinking too much on the golf course. I like just like a couple little casuals, but in order to enjoy a round of golf, now that uh, the competitive days are kind of behind me is I like going out there and having a cold beer with the guys. And like I said, it might sound a little bit lame, but it's the truth. And, uh, 
That's my, I'm, I'm honest with our listeners here. Yeah, for for me and you know for context, uh, <laughs> the, the train writing in there, he mentioned the the peanut butter and Nutella on multigrain. That was the go-to. That was the patented giver sandwich. I was making that's those yours? boys. That's me. I didn't that's know that. That's the giver. Oh yeah, that's me. That's uh, that was my go-to playing competitive golf. I'd I'd toss a couple of those in the bag to to eat throughout the round. That's that and maybe a banana and an apple are the only things I'd eat. But yeah, you know, nowadays it's, uh, you know, trunk slam into the first tee might make a quick pit stop, grab a nice cold beer before we, t- uh, before we put the pegs in the ground. Yeah. Like pretty that. important to me and my lucky toonie. That's about it. Your lucky so, toonie. <laughs> See you more. I'll take a, I'll take my approach of when I was playing. So there are certain things that I needed. Okay. And I'm not usually, I guess I never thought of myself as superstitious, but any That's road trip or superstitious say themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <just so you laughs> know. Every Before away every round, tournament. I told myself I'm not superstitious. Yeah. <laughs> every away tournament, got to travel with my pillow. Oh, is it one of those donut daddy. pillows or an actual pillow? No, no, the actual pillow on my bed. Okay. Got to travel with that. I have to hit every putt. I mark my ball. With a Canadian quarter or U.S. quarter, doesn't matter. A quarter heads up facing the hole. Oh, Must you have a uh, yeah, directional yeah. bias as well? Heads up facing the hole. Anything else thrown off? Unless I'm uh, rocked a couple three putts, maybe I'll turn the quarter over. But then I'll probably <laughs> three putt. <laughs> <laughs> Banana. I also mark with a quarter. Yeah, quarter I think is key. But Banana. American because they're a little bit heavier than the Canadian version, so I like that little heavier marker. And uh, and you just got to be careful not to spend it. <laughs> I, I've got in mine. Sorry, to cut you off. I got a 1996 toonie. I've had it in the bag for <laughs> 14 years. I have. Yeah, you haven't lost that. No, 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 no. That no, would no, be that. so far gone for me. Yeah, <laughs> salt and vinegar chips or something. <laughs> okay, Simo, what else you got? For Those us? are go to. La- last one oh. is the banana in the bag. When it counts, need the banana in the bag at all times. But right that's now, my, you're right, the beer in the golf fruit. cart. But That's my go-to fruit as well. All right, that's it. Nothing else quirky. I thought Jack was going to come out with a little bit more than that, not going to be honest. Oh, Jack has like a bazillion of those in the back pocket. <laughs> he just doesn't want to give away any of his like whatever. <laughs> secrets. Or secrets. Where's my secrets, button. guys? Come on, you, you can't give it away. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um. All right, you know what? We're gonna switch things up. We're gonna go to Jacko here. What's uh, what's going on with Tiger these days? Ah, uh, you know what? Not much right now, to be completely honest with you. He's uh, he's staying kind of quiet. We're all really speculating to see when he's gonna play next. I think the the consensus is that obviously he's not playing the Honda this week, but uh, I think we expect to see him at Bay Hill. Uh, I think we expect to see him back to back weeks Bay Hill than the players. Yep, that that makes sense. Back to back weeks. So I think he's. Like he said, he's he's staying quiet. Well, we saw him. You know, he's caddying for Charlie again. Yeah, you're gonna mention that. I'm yeah, like, oh, give us what the pass. You can't. You can, no, you can't. Uh, can't forget that. You know, I probably liked that 16 times on Twitter when I saw it. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, looking great out there. But I think he's he's taking time, spending some time with family, and working on the game, building the back up. Like he said, uh, you know, he's gonna get his uh, get his body in shape to where he wants it to wants it to be for. Coming back to Arnie's sermon, I, I like that he's back to Bay Hill. And uh, I think big things come for the GOAT this year. So I think he's he's just holding true. A little concerned. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 
want him at the Olympics. Uh, I don't like that Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau got a lot of points this week. <laughs> that hurts him a lot. That that's a kick right to the groin. But uh, you know, I think we need a, we're going to need a couple dubs for sure. He's got to vault him, vault himself uh, up in the standings, get, get those points under his belt to to play his way onto that Olympic team. And I think that for him is got to be a goal. Uh, and he let's be honest, he's a, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's picking the spots. You know, for him, it's you know I'd like to see him play every week, but he knows better than I do. Obviously, he's won uh, a whole pile of tournaments on the PGA Tour. And so he knows where he's going to put himself in the best uh, position to win and, and go from there. I love it. I got to throw it. I'm, I'm coming at you with stats today. Like wow. huge stat guy. Okay. Stat guy. Seymour. Stat guy. But uh, shout out to uh, on Instagram for sharing this post with me. Cam Kennedy and Dickie Dickie Nine Doors. I love the name. <laughs> you know who Dickie Dickie Nine Doors is? Kill a cam, also a gear a gear junkie. Uh, I would love to get him and his opinions on this podcast at some point. He's a buddy of mine from Thunder Bay. Heck of a player. I love it. So they sent me this post, which I'm actually going to show you right now because the post is no longer available. See that? Yep. Does that take my word for it? Okay. But it's stuck in my brain so much, I actually know it. So I don't even need it. Okay. So, so this is a stat from 1997 till right now. So all the majors championships from 1997 to right now tiger woods is a combined minus 106 in those events he's the only person out of those people to be under par and is 226 shots better than the nearest competitor in those major championships which is henrik stenson wow how does that even make sense (laughs) that's what i said that is and like lot. minimum 30 starts or something like that probably yeah, it's like a, a minimum of like i think it was 36 starts whatever it holy was holy smokes i mean man that guy doesn't move the needle yeah i bet <laughs> <laughs> that's a wild stat i mean you think like just yeah 106 on par and all those like just shows you know how good he is in majors yeah. and like for other guys, you you think Henrik Stenson being the next close, and he's what two hundred shots behind, like which is that's crazy to think. Um, oh man, that's that's a cool stat. I like yeah. that. I also I miss th- Hank. I I want him around. I want him contending in some events. He's awesome to watch. Yeah, oh not. yeah, Hank gets it going. I think Hank will get it going again. I hope so. Mm-hmm. He gets it going once he gets the British Open. That's when he's getting it going. Open um, championship. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of Kari's things. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. Um, but let's move into uh probably the most popular segment we've done on this show. A lot of love has come to this segment. Shout out to Kari for that. A lot of love. Are we jumping right into the segment? I like it. Because I got a bit of a surprise for you boys. Because it's my segment, I want to run it the way I want. How about this intro here? What is your handicap? (laughs) All right. 
Okay, I don't know, even know how to introduce the segment. <laughs> Everyone kind of knows what it's about. Uh, it's a little game show with uh, with Gibber and Simo. Uh, I say what golfers do. It could be low handicaps, could be scratch, could be uh, higher handicaps, and their goal is to guess um, or to, if someone were to do this, what their handicap would be or above. And I also... Um, People are like, wow, you said so many on the the, the debut of What's Your Handicap. Um, how are you going to keep this the longevity of this? And I said, yeah, I did say quite a few. And I was thinking, I'm like, I'm not scared. There's like a bazillion things involved <laughs> that you can just continue on. But I'm going to try and limit to like three or four per. So um, before before you fair. start, Ricks, I, I want to read one. One of my buddies messaged me this uh, and he, he just said, uh, he said uh, the handicap section was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I he hope said, he likes I think, the intro now. Oh, he's going to love it. Uh, he, he said, I think it's a really good segment, though. The scratch golfers, golfers can laugh at things shitty golfers do, and the shitty golfers can learn a thing or two about proper style and etiquette. <laughs> so I, I thought it hit the nail on the head. You know, every one of my buddies said it was funny, and they laughed at it. And, you know, obviously a couple of guys taking some things away from it, so... Yeah, perfect. And that's what we're that's what we're looking for. Us helping you. And uh, okay, so I have a few today. I left a couple off the board that I'm saving for next week because uh, there are some good ones for next week, but there are some good ones for this week as well. Um, So we're going to go right ahead and go for it here. Um, First one. You guys ready? Okay. After the golfer hits a slice, they go, ah, I hooked it. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go twenty-four <laughs> and above. You have to say and above. That's part twenty-four and above. Uh, because oh, it's funny when I play with you know some of my friends just getting into golf. If I'm a righty and they're a lefty, and if like you know if I hit a hook like right to left, and then they see one go right to left, and they just they just mean to think, oh, I I hooked it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love that. <laughs> I'll say I'll say eighteen and up because I've seen some people who've played golf for a while who still mix that up, and it's always the guy at the scramble event like Bob with a beer gut, just loving life and just snipes one way right and just oh I hooked it. <laughs> and I'm like polite, so like I like have a quick laugh, but I'm like yeah I don't correct them on it, which I should. <laughs> uh, that's one of the things I should correct people on. Um, I said 20 and up for this one because uh, right. there's a lot of people that are susceptible for doing this. Uh, quick, uh, quick, informative uh, little piece. If you're a right-handed golfer and your shot goes from the right side to the left side, that's a hook. A slice is left to right. Okay, let's clarify that for everyone. We don't know what kind of handicaps are listening to this. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one's a good one, though. I like that one. Okay, next one. And this... Uh, this, if you guys, or if anyone watches the Golf Channel, they'll be familiar with it, uh, just like our S7K putter, but has the square stri- strike wedge. Mm. Is that the one that you, like, just putt with? And then yeah. It just, yeah, okay. Yeah, and the infomercial is, like, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. 45 degrees. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go here. I'm going to say... A... T- 14 and up female golfer and a <laughs> bogey golfer and 18 and up. Wow. What a, just a twist there. <laughs> what does gender have to do with anything here? 
Well, so my, my parents own a golf course, and I they, the ladies' league is huge, and I see a lot of chipper putters. I see a lot of you know gimmicky things that they'll they'll go into golf town on the their hook line and sinker when they're there, and they're actually they actually hit the ball half decently. But then they get they get around the greens, they got the little chipper putters, and they, they get it up and down probably more than I do. That's great. Okay, I my my original was fifteen and up. 15 and up, but there should be like an age thing here because I think that that's like 50 and up. Yeah. <laughs> if we're looking at age too. I have my AP1 pitching wedge one. I have my AP1 <laughs> pitching wedge two. I have my square strike and my AP1 48 degree pitching wedge three. <laughs> Those are my options. Seymour <laughs> told me to have a lot of wedge options around the greens. Those are the ones I'm going for. <laughs> so I said, I said 15 up and I was. 15 and up as well there, Simo. So um, right on par with me. This one's actually closer to a, um, a better player thing to say, but I've, I've heard it more than, uh, more than once in my, in my lifetime. When you ask someone what their handicap is, they say plus six instead of like an actual six handicap. Oh, so they, they mess it up a little bit. They mess it up. And Simo, and do you want to explain to people, give them a little context on that? Yeah, so when someone says they're a scratch, that's a zero. Anything better than a scratch, so if the par is 72, if they're shooting 71 and under, so one under or best, it's actually plus in your handicap. So if yeah. you consistently shoot two under, you're actually a plus two, which is a little confusing, I yeah. think. To, to but not for, that. not for a four handicap. Yeah, Shoot. not yeah, not for a six handicap who's messing that up. Uh, I'll go first, and I'll say 12 and up. Okay. I'm going to go a bit differently here. I'm going to say it's six and up. Whoa. Six and up. Okay. And the reason being is I find there's a lot of six and up uh, players who, you know, like we talked about before, like play a lot of golf on one golf course and get the cab down. You know, they play a bunch of golf, get, you know, pretty athletic. Uh, and so they can get get make their way around a golf course but you know when they you talk handicap um and they think oh i'm a plus six because i normally shoot 78 right and that yeah. that's what they think right you know it, it's that you know they're anywhere between 78 and 82 83 right so oh, i'm a plus six you know and not really and they always say oh well you know you know so and so is a, a minus three right so i got i get nine shots because i'm a plus six Give, yeah, it. give you an idea because it is a little bit confusing. So I, in fact, uh, I went wild on this one. I said three and up because I think one, they oh. need to know how the well, they want well, technically they don't know how the handicap system works, but they need to be a low enough cap close to zero in order to stand understand that there is another side of the handicap scale. So you kind of have to be a good player to realize that. So I think you need to be hovering around that lower lower handicap rates and i'm i'm not getting much love via your facial reactions but that's okay just to let no, everyone i, I agree a, i went a six. player is usually like a plus six or a plus seven on their home track that's yeah. usually the benchmark they relative to the slope they're shooting six or seven under as their average average their potential i guess is the best way to say it handicap yeah. handicap's a confusing thing but uh, after listening to the two of you i will i will agree I will agree. Even though I think that someone who plays a lot of golf and is a true six and like you understand how the handicap system works, like I think you're a 12. But I agree with what you guys are saying. That was a tricky one. That was meant for the better players out there. It is tricky too because 
like say for us, we all we all do get it here. Like you know, me, you, and Call. And uh, but say if we went somewhere and someone asked us what our, our handicap is to save us the five to ten minute conversation of explaining what a, what a, what a plus two really is. Um, if we always say, oh, I'm a you know minus two. My default, I just I, you know I typically just say, oh, I'm a scratch. Right. Yeah, Even though I, I, I any 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 given day I could be a ten and I could be a my a plus two. I say I was at minus two. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, wow. this is actually a submission from uh you remember KT Hart's review of the week? I oh, actually, yeah. the, I'm still waiting for the match to come in from Amazon. Turns out I didn't have Prime. It expired. Um so it's it's in the mail, but I will sign it and send it over. This is a submission from her. It's a girl, just so you know, Simo. I think at one point you said it, a guy. Uh, and this one actually made me laugh. After the round, the person you're playing with will say, well, I'm up four golf balls today. A classic men's night player. Oh, yeah. Like, just got into it in the round, you know, like just got into a few beers, maybe brought his own his own liquor on the golf course. <laughs> got a ball retriever in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh that's, yeah, that, that's that could a, be a future one, too. But that's really a future one. Out. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going 10 and up. Um, I, I 10 and up. I, I, I know a lot of guys that every hole they're they're having a peek in the if they're you know as they're walking past the creek you know, you know have you know, they see they see a white nug in there they're they're gonna fish it out uh billy you hit it down the middle yeah i'm looking for golf balls <laughs> okay yeah i say 10 and up 10 uh, uh, my so i'm going off my original thought i'm not being skewed um mine was 18 and up i said 18 up as well yeah Ooh, wow. All right, all right. Oh, I like it. Okay, two more remaining. Um, and this one I might have to give a little bit of explaining, but if you guys had ever seen it before, it has to be the funniest thing in the world. You know those, uh, like, it's a pivot tool or, like, a divot tool where it has, like, the thing that clips onto your pocket and it kind of yes. has a little circle and comes into your pocket? <laughs> so guess the handicap or what's their handicap when they put the divot tool on their hat. And it's like the prongs are like pointing up, like they don't know what's for your pocket. Like oh. not not just the ball mark, but the divot tool. The divot, the divot tool, full divot tool. The LPGA oh. tour is classic for the ball mark on there. For the ball mark, which is okay, great lady style. I don't yeah. I don't hate it. It's convenient, sure, because they don't have pockets all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the divot Ooh. tool on the hat, I've seen it by more than one person for sure. I'm gonna, I'm going. 24 plus because i haven't seen it ever i'm with jacko i've never seen it okay ever. i've might, never seen it you know what must be a northern it. ontario thing yeah that's what i was just about to say you know what you see some crazy things here i actually have a quick background story of a guy that wore his divot tool on his hat <laughs> and it's like when i worked at whitewater he walked in the pro shop I'm like this is unbelievable this guy's got his his divot tool on his hat. It's just funny. It's just funny to see. And like, I don't know, we're, we're shooting the shit or whatever. He goes to pick up his, uh, his clubs out of the back of his car. And at Whitewater, we have groundhogs that run around like all over the place. Like there's kind of notoriously one that hangs around the putting green. You see it on eight, see them on 18 sometimes. And, uh, this guy comes back from his vehicle from going to grab his clubs. He walks to the pro shop. He's like, you'll never believe what just happened to me. I'm like, what's up? He's like, I went to go grab my clubs out of the back of the car. A damn otter jumped out. <laughs> 
He called the what ground. A beauty. Good thing he had protection with his uh, his divot tool <laughs> handy. This guy's my favorite guy in the city of Thunder Bay right now. Unreal. I, my question is, does he use? Have you seen him use the divot tool, or is it just on his hat? I'm. I'm. I just. I met this guy once in the pro shop atmosphere. Never. Never on the golf course. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. But people do do it, and maybe it's just a Thunder Bay thing. I apologize for that. I, I don't know if I've even seen it outside of Thunder Bay. I, I put 24 plus as well for that. I don't know which one of you guys said that one, but Jack that one did. always makes me laugh. And this is the final one, and this one's it. I always like saving the biggest pet peeves of mine for the last, and I don't even know if you guys have seen people do this as well, but uses a different golf ball for different shots. On <laughs> Like, like this is my driving water hole it's a water hole this is my water ball (laughs) my water ball (laughs) oh man it's funny because i i've seen this a lot i see a lot of my buddies do it when we play and they you know they they putt with the pro putt and chip with the pro Off the tee, yeah, they're not. Uh, I'm gonna go with this one to be completely honest with you. I say eight and up. I'm not far off, Jacko. Here, mine was ten and up. I've eight seen it. Up. I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot. It is. Uh, please stop. <laughs> what a collect. Yeah, please stop. Yeah. Like I understand you're on a driving hole that has got a lot of trouble. Maybe you want to switch it up for the hole. Yeah. You know, for the yeah. hole. Yeah. yeah, for the whole kind of makes more sense. But when you when you got five nugs in your pocket and you're just <laughs> dropping them out and picking them up, like stop. I was gonna say the one I wanted to say. I well, well I guess we'll be, we're saying it right now. Let's put a, a tangent on this one. Call this the you know five A is when people have an extra ball in their pocket or an automatically reloading one as soon as they they hit it. They oh, reach yeah. out of the pocket, pegging the ground ball in the tee, and it's in the air. Oh, that's a what do you move? I love like, that move. I think it's bad luck if you keep a provisional in your pocket. I will only carry one ball on my on me at all times. But I that just, one's unbelievable, and I refuse to give that one a single digit handicap. So I also gave it a ten. Yeah, we're, wow. we're getting that's we're getting point. pretty good at this. You guys are starting to starting to hammer them down, and that's it for the segment, boys. Oh, I love that segment. <laughs> it's great. And for everyone listening, like take notes, take notes, <laughs> Please. absolutely. It's only going to help your game. It's only going to help your game, this stuff. Hey, you know what? Uh, if you ever play with a boss that's actually like a decent golfer or has played golf before or coworkers or your boss takes you out with the, I don't know, it's a business game, I guess. You know, you have a lot of those business relations. These will help you. Oh, yeah. They really will. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so because we're going to do a little, uh, I'm just shaking up the itinerary here, fellas. Why, why, even, uh, why send us it? Really? Yeah, you know, like really, like... <laughs> But we're going to go into our uh, master segment. Masters, six weeks away. One of the most exciting times of the year as a golf fan. Jack's salivating at the fact that it's six weeks away. And uh, he's super excited for this segment. So, Jacko, I'll let you take over. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I guess I'll try to lead this segment for the, the next six weeks leading in the, in the Masters here. So, we thought it would be a good idea to preview a couple holes a week just to kind of build up some anticipation and shed some light on to probably the best track in the entire world Augusta National so what better way than get right into her here with the holes one two and three so uh 
hole number one. Uh, it's named T Olive. So quick fact about uh, each of the holes. Uh, they're all named after flowers. Uh, the reason they're named after flowers is uh, it, the Augusta National is planted in this. Uh, it's they're the flower that grows on that hole. Uh, and it's only on that hole. It doesn't grow anywhere else in the golf course. And it's very unique. Um, so this one, yeah, T Olive. Uh, fun fact about this hole. Uh, it used to be number 10 when the, the golf course originally opened. They had one playing of the Masters, the first Masters ever that played with this, uh, the front nine being the back nine. Which is, it's hard to believe now that this, uh, you know, when you watch the Masters, it could be any other way. But, uh, yeah, so it, it, that was the case. Um, but, uh, so now, yeah, into Tealov here. So it's not an easy opening hole. Uh, you know, I'd say a mid-range hole, 445. Uh, dog leg left and, you know, over the years has gotten a bit harder, but they haven't changed it much. Uh, it's, you know, historically been... Uh, one of the tougher holes uh, on the course, usually in the you know top five, top six for the tournament in terms of uh, the the ranking. But uh, all they've really done in terms of modifying this hole is adding a few more trees on the left side to uh, you know kind of block out those guys bailing out left, and then uh, the the green they they kind of expanded the one bunker on the right side. Uh, but uh, this a fantastic hole you don't really know and it's it the second the approach shot is is very very uphill uh it's a fantastic uh fantastic hole it's you know if you're one of the longer players you can take it over that right trap and have a shorter iron into the green but if you're a shorter hitter you're looking at a mid iron into this green which is a kind of an unreceptive green uh it funnels off on all angles uh you you know what you think is a good shot and end up kind of stymied uh very very unique green here um and i guess one of the the most memorable uh spots on this or uh uh, players on this hole is Ernie Els uh, when he, he just couldn't get the ball in the hole. Uh, you know, he's trying when he's couldn't get the ball. <laughs> he in the wanted hole. to. <laughs> uh, I think he I think he started off his uh, his Masters on Thursday with a, a smooth nine. Uh, you know, he, I think he was a four or five putt uh, to start the day, and then uh, Rick's mentioned that I think he made the cut that year though, so he battled back. But uh, do you guys have anything uh, on uh, on T Olive? Two things that stand out to me right away when I think of T. Olive, uh, I mean, one of the most, uh, when you think about starting off a golf course that you want to play, a good, tough, nice driving par four, something that you always want to have, regardless of if you're at Augusta National or not. One, that uh, right trap down the side really pushes guys to hit it left. Um, Very stern test. Uh, If you start off your uh, round with a par on this one, you're laughing. You're probably ahead of the field because it uh, averages above par. And uh, Gibber, unfortunately, your boy Tiger rips it left, left of left here on number nine, usually. Um, (laughs) He does not play this hole very, uh, very clean. And uh, I'm going into 2020 Masters. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Yeah. 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 I agree. T- tough tee shot. That the, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, first of all, the pressure, but it is a tough tee shot plus that. So, so, and I just to mention the reason they did switch the nines around, not because it's you know it makes way more sense going the other way, um, but uh, the first playing they had troubles with fog because uh, we're you know the the current year uh, or the modern day number 10, it goes down into the Valley there and they're having trouble with the fog lifting early in the round. Cause at Augusta national, they only go off first tee, uh, which is very, very cool fact that very, I didn't very, very cool. They only go off the first tee, which I love. Um, it, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, so moving here into number two, pink dogwood, 
So if there's any hole at Augusta National that might be built for Gibber, this is number two. This is my hole. What a bizarre name. Pink Dogwood. Like think about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This, this, but this hole, it's it's cut right from my cloth. Uh, Bobby, uh, he he knew exactly what he was doing. He was building this one for me one day. Uh, nice sharp dog leg left. You got to bomb it. Uh, you know, rip one down there, middle uh, right with a a big old drag. Get her get her beating down the hill over the trap, uh, and you're looking at a very scorable hole from there. Counting on the drive, you hit a bad drive. You're, there's been a lot of players make sevens, eights, nines on this hole. It's a you know it is a risk reward hole. If you're going to take on that trap on the left side, uh, you really got to be careful. Um, and and from from there, you know the second shot is, is cer- certainly is no you know no no easy shot as well. The you know coming into the green, I think going for this green in two is if you can you get somewhere up there close it is a huge benefit because you know and you lay it back there the undulation in that fairway and then that shot coming in even if you played over there on the right side coming into that green it's a very very odd shaped green and it's tough to get one close so the you know the folks who do hit a good drive uh you're, you're in position to to you know start the round off on a positive note get you know a lot of a lot of eagles made on this hole, uh, a lot of birdies, and there has been an albatross. I think there's been two albatross actually on this hole. Uh, most recent, Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, I think it was in 2012, the the final round. Uh, he, Louis. He he threw the ball away. Yeah, I know. Which that is, is unbelievable. Crazy. If he would have won it, that ball would have been worth so much money. Crazy but and also very generous of him. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no. So it two unbelievable hole. You know, Sunday you you're gonna count on that pin being back right, um, and you're gonna see a lot of really interesting shots. Once it gets on that green, it just travels and travels and travels, and you know it does feed down towards that hole. But you see a lot of guys, uh, you know, having you know hitting it left of the green behind those mounds, and the up and down is you know next to impossible. Uh, unless you're Tiger Woods and you're, you're a magician there, like him and Phil. Uh, but uh, awesome hole. It, it made for me. This is what I, I think I love about Augusta, though. It's one of those holes they haven't been able to change very much. The only thing they've done is move the the bunker on the left a little bit to the right just to, to catch more balls in there and to force the layup. But, uh, yeah, moving on. So oh, 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 yeah, no, yeah, Rick. Yeah. What do you guys think? Breath here. Uh once again, a couple things that stand out on this hole. One, obviously, the drive's important. It's a common theme uh, around Augusta, but there's no rough, so you can kind of, as long as you miss that uh, bunker on the right side in the right rough, I guess is the best way to say it, um, it sets you up for a good shot. The a bat, It's never a bad play to hit it in that front bunker, depending off the, if the pin's left or right. That front bunk, either of the front bunkers on an uphill slope, there seems to be a lot up and downs on this. So... Ideal start at the Masters is par birdie to me, Eagles bonus. But uh, if you can get off that start, especially on a Sunday when you're in contention, you're you're right on track. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it has to do <clears throat> outside of the bombers, kind of the shorter hitters, more strategic players. A lot of pin position makes a big uh, big impact on whether they're going for it or laying up to a yardage. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then. Uh, so I guess to round out our, our third uh, third hole here, uh, obviously number three, Flowering Peach. So this is, you know, to another kind of risk reward hole. It's a very short hole. It's only 350 yards. 
Uh, and I think Rory, he's actually got it on this green before. Uh, but it is a very, very deceivingly tough tee shot. And you have to be very careful with it. Um, because you could, it really depended on where the pin is. Uh, you could, you could shut yourself out cause you don't know, you know, when you, you hit it a bit left, you're, you're pitching back up the hill, you know, the 60, I think it's about 60 feet uphill when you miss the green there left, it goes right down kind of in the ravine and it's all Augusta closely mown. So once that gets going down the hill, she's going for a while. Um, and it makes that shot if the pin's on the left side and you're, you're down there on the left, it's, you know, next to an impossible up and down, which is why you'll see a lot of guys pitch it over the green and have to come back and try to, 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 to make an up and down from there. But, you know, you hit a good drive here, uh, a nice cut off the tee. I get it up there on the right side to, to the right pin scoreable hole. Uh, I think when Charles, uh, Charles Swartzel won, uh, he hold out on three. I think he started off bogey bogey. Uh, one, two, and then and then made the made the deuce on three to kind of right the ship for him. Um, and yeah, no, it's very very cool hole. It uh, I think you do see a few numbers here though. Uh, when you think you know shorter hole, people are looking to, to start their day off well. You know, hopefully par birdie birdie. But I, I would argue try to try to get out of the first three holes even or one under, and you're you're kind of you're rolling. Uh, for me, number three. Uh... Sorry, Flowering Peach, is that what it's called? That's right. I should know the names off by heart, but sometimes I mix a couple of them up. Um, to me, when I'm watching the Masters, um, I all, this is always my, um, let's say, my governor as to who has their wits about them and their nerves about them. Because this second shot, it's pretty much like nipping it and trying to land it on a pool table if that pin's on the left-hand side. So you really can tell who has their touch early on, especially on the weekend rounds like Saturday and Sunday. And... Um, uh, to me, although the hole is even so, super short, a birdie's a bonus on this one. I think if you get out of these three holes, one under par, um, I think you're setting yourself up for a great round of golf going forward. Um, one thing that, I mean, people that are golf fans will know this, but Augusta, um, people say that they've been to it. Unfortunately, I have not visited the grounds. Um, they talk about the undulation change and how big the hills actually are around the golf course. Um, I don't know the exact uh, amount of feet, but two, you're coming all the way down the slope as it, uh, as it goes towards the left. Three, you're going pretty much straight back uphill, and then four, you're going back downhill. There's never really a level, a level tee shot, or they're very rare, maybe once you get down in the valley. But that's something when I do get to Augusta, uh, at one point to watch either a practice round or a tournament round. That's one thing I'm looking really forward to is just walking around the course when, when even no one's playing. I'd love to just go out there at six in the morning and watch the sun come up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And I, I'm going to, before you, I, I give you the mic, Simo, you get to drive the bus. But I want to say one thing about Augusta. Um, I find, you know, in a lot of people, you watch it and it looks like a lot of guys aren't hitting it close. And, I think the one thing that people who don't know Augusta too well or haven't watched the Masters a number of times, they don't realize the undulation in the greens and how much it plays in your approach shot. You can't fire at a lot of these pins. You can't just go directly at the pin because it's going to catch the slope and you could be, you know, look at, you know, we won't get into it, but number nine, right? You, you could be off the green and have a, a 30, 40 yard pitch back. Um, and so it's very, very hard to get the ball close at Augusta. 
Um, but you, like, once you, you know, if you can take advantage and know where these slopes are and how your ball will funnel, it's a, you know, a very, very strategic, uh, second shot golf course for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I don't have much to say about flowering peach. Um, one thing I do have to say is for those of you who don't know flowering peach, the plant is native to China. It's a deciduous <laughs> flowering tree. It's a single and semi-double and double blooms in late March and early April. So for those of you out there like gardening, I mean, that's just a quick fact, but that's all I got. And the last thing I want to say is I love Augusta. This is my favorite thing. If, if you guys think this segment's boring, I don't care. We got to talk about Augusta National leading in the golf tournament. You need to know 100%. these holes. It is a very important segment for this golf podcast. You guys got the whole covered there. Um, so I just had to throw in my little fact. Nice. I liked it. <laughs> I love it. But uh, next week, holes four, five, and six, which are uh, also great holes. So, Jack, we're looking forward to that. Um, but let's move right into our uh, our wrench talk segment for this week. Okay. Carter, what do we got? Okay. So, uh, wrench talk. I, I've gotten a lot of feedback, both both personally and via messages and uh, and stuff like that. And even you guys have been getting some feedback for it as well. We had, uh, I think, uh, Gibber, one of your friends messaged you why we knock on Callaway and Cobra so much and stuff like that. And I will describe that in future episodes. Um, and not all, not my opinion of the company is not all negative. Just uh, there's some things about it that, that that tweak me a little bit when it comes to the, the club department. But today I wanted to talk about uh, my golf ball change. And uh I'm saying at the beginning of this year, I am switching from my old faithful Pro V1 to the Bridgestone Tour BX. And how do you guys feel about that, first of all? First of all, I, I never thought I'd, I'd see the day Rick's moving away from the Pro V1. Uh, the only time I've ever seen you not hit a Pro V1 is... One one of those rounds where we both get her going a little while, and we, we're just we're digging deep in the bag. But uh, so every second round. <laughs> no, but I, you know I I have heard good things. Uh, obviously, that's the ball Tiger's playing, I believe, right? Yeah, he's got the S, the higher spinning version. Yeah, so obviously, if he's playing the ball, it's got to be on like a great golf ball. It's got to be dialed got to be very similar to a pro v1 if tiger's putting it in the bag i find he's he models all of his golf balls are kind of around that pro v1 um yeah i'm uh I, i'm kind of not gonna lie, i'm shocked to hear it but uh i'm interested to see your feedback on it once you start you put it in play and see how she flies i think tiger really bases his spin rates off of the old like tour professional 100 that titleist came out with i don't think he's like uh anywhere close to the modern day pro v he uses a very unique golf ball that no one really else on tour uses um the reason why i kind of want to give it a shot this year and I'm, i don't know how long it'll last i'll give it minimum a month depending on how many rounds i play um but just testing it a little bit last year i was shocked at how stable it is through the air with that extra spin uh it does spin a little bit more um and the wedges um for some reason those balls have a little bit of a different wedge flight than say another golf ball for me it's it kind of comes off lower and a little bit more nippy so it's something um when you're watching your ball fly through the air how stable it is with that much spin is really appealing to me and it is a little bit more of a firm cover so it's going to take a little bit of getting used to but just for our listeners out there, I know the 2019 version of the Bridgestone uh, uh, Tour uh, X and XS series um, 
they, they have gone on sale recently. I've seen some deals around the internet. Um, if you are planning on trying a premium ball and want to give the Bridgestone a shot, um, I think they've gone on for as low as like, let's say 30 or 35 bucks Canadian. And when it comes to golf ball, I don't care who you are. Cost is, is an important, uh, important thing to look at. And, uh, if you can get a premium ball and you've been trying on the fence about giving it a shot, uh, I would say go for it this time. 100% agree. I'm a big pro V guy. I think it's just because I played it all throughout my career. It's hard to go against it, but cost alone, like as you get older and you're not playing events and you're kind of going out there for fun, like I'm, I, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to trying a Bridgestone ball just in the same way. I've also tried a tailor made ball, not that bad at all. They make um, good golf ball. They make really good golf balls, very similar feels to the Pro V1. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of my t- – I love Pro V1, but it may just be because I'm, I've am i used it for so long. It's one of those uh, user bias <laughs> statements that I'm making here. But I think that Bridgestone obviously makes a good, good ball with Tiger, and I think TaylorMade does too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I'd be, I'd be interested. I'll give it a go too. I'm a, like all three of us, you know traditional pro v1 players right um but if you know if this ball you're saying ricks i i'd put it in the bag i, I give her a go he copies my d king's picks might as well copy my golf ball eh? <laughs> <laughs> the only problem right. is mine might travel 40 yards further than yours oh no oh. <laughs> wow <laughs> further left <laughs> i'm just kidding okay that's a good way to end it the honda classic this week i actually really i mean pga national golf club in Palm Beach, Florida. I really like this event. Uh, challenging golf course. One of the um, hardest on tour, yeah. One of the hardest golf courses on tour. I, re- I like watching this event on a Sunday uh, for me. I like watching the leaders come down. I think it's uh, an entertaining. Unfortunately, I think uh, some of the top guys aren't playing this week. McElroy decided not to play. There's two other guys that are big names decided not to play. Uh, but overall, Tiger. decent field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I feel no like Tiger. <laughs> Tiger committed to only what twelve events, thirteen events all year. That's status quo that. for him. He might throw yeah. a one more to in depending on the reps. I uh, also before we get into this one, I I'm shocked Jacko didn't mention Tiger picking the menu for the Masters this year in Tiger Talk. Oh. He, that was a miss. But let's let's keep going. Let's make him make him fish. Give her. This is my time to talk. Let's make him stir over that. Simo can. But the, the menu. Can that's something we can up. talk about the week of the Masters. That that's uh, in the, no. The that's part. Tiger news. He's not playing this week. You dropped. It the just ball. came out. Oh, just came on. out. Drop the ball. <laughs> oh god. But uh, first of all, what I'll ask is, what do you guys like about the course? And then get right into your picks. Okay. Bear trap. I like how difficult it is. It requires guys that have absolute control with their golf ball, especially if there's a little bit of wind. 15, you're looking at par three over water. 16, you're looking at one of the hardest par fours on tour. Um, uh, sorry, I said 16, sorry, 17, another par three, very similar to 15, but a little bit longer. <clears throat> it requires the ultimate precision. That's what I love about it. And it has a very exciting finish with that par five. Um, really cool event to watch and you know the guys that are in contention they didn't fake their way around the golf course you know they've been striping it all week i would love to go see this event live um i think it's a jack nickel jack nicholas redesign in like the 90s or something like that i'm gonna jump uh, this this is gonna be weird because i forgot to make i made my drafting ticket to put in a lineup but i'm not i have a couple guys on there that i like but i don't love um i'm just gonna go with um three picks 
This has nothing to do with my DraftKings because I think Gibber steals my picks. And I'm going to go with one guy that's... I didn't steal it last week. I'll tell you that for free. That's good. Yeah. DFL. Um, John Rahm. Yeah. I thought he was going to win. You know how you mentioned Justin Thomas? Like, you think he's going to win? I thought it was John Rahm that was going to take that. But that's okay. Um, Five Canadians in the field this week, too. I think that's worth mentioning. Great. Looking forward to watching them play. Hopefully, we actually have a Canadian of the week going into the next week. Um, My pick to win it is Gary Woodland. A little bit different. And it's... I like the way he hits the ball. And when it comes to really tough tracks... I'm gonna. I want Gary Woodland in my corner, and coming down that stretch, I think he can hit those shots, and I'm looking forward to watching him stripe it around this week. Hopefully, it makes the cut. Um, next one, um, not gonna win it, but he's gonna play very well. Is Daniel Berger, and that might catch you guys by surprise as well. But he, like I said before, he's on medical exemption. He's been playing some phenomenal golf of lately. Of late, very unique, unorthodox swing, like really bizarre when you watch it from behind. Um, We'll get into a swing once he contends this week. Maybe we'll talk about it next podcast. Um, but uh, it's a guy that I think he's played well here before, if my if my memory serves me correctly. And it's a course that he once again he there's a common theme here. He hits it hard and um, and he flights that he he can really flight and shape the ball correctly. So I like him. Another guy that this is just a guy that I hope he plays well. I have no idea if he is or not. Is Brian Harmon? I think he's somewhat in form. And uh, shorter hitter, um, but can get it uh, around the greens. He can make those putts and like those. I think the biggest thing is like he birdies quite a bit too, but he also makes those par putts. Every time you're watching him on coverage, you think he's going to fall. He's making like 10 to 12 footers and he's continuing that momentum. I think that will serve him very well on a really tough track. One guy I think that's going to struggle this week and you put your surprise faces on. I don't think you guys will, but is uh, Keith Mitchell. Um, defending champ. I don't think he's going to have it in uh, in the cards this week. All right. All right. I, I like those risks. I, I got a couple of the same ones. But for me, like you said, with, with the Honda, I'm always – the bear trap is, you know, you look at those finishing holes. It's crazy. I, I, I say correct me if I'm wrong, and I think I'm wrong a lot of the time on this podcast now, but uh, the it's the par 315th, right? Yes. Was that not the hole at one point? the PGA tour had to move the tee up because they were fearful with the wind being into their face that the guys couldn't carry the water. I do not have that fact. Unfortunately, I don't know. That. I, and I should, I, I think cause, be cause surprised. It plays, it, it's long. It's like two fifteen. but yeah, they, this one, it was like a, a 30 or a call it like a, whatever mile an hour wind, but they were worried that guys wouldn't be able to either carry the water or get something to hold on the green. Cause it was playing firm and coming in with a three wood, uh, they couldn't get something to hold the green. And that, uh, that would be a really cool fact. I'm gonna have to look it up, but yeah, I, like- I, I got a good feeling that's the case because this is the one you know when Tiger plays, he always hits, hits like a nice soft cut coming in there. He's great, you know. This is Tiger's hole, but uh, <laughs> 20 yard carry, yeah. <laughs> but uh, for me, the, the picks, I'm not gonna go through them all this week, but. Just uh, my picks that weren't great last week. Uh, yeah, DFL not a good week for the big guy here. But uh, <laughs> that's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I've had. Who was your the... best finish? Who was your best finish last week? Oh shit, I don't even know. Uh, okay, probably Gabriel, you keep talking. Him answer. Probably answer. Oh yeah. Uh, like I had more cow. He was up and down, up and down, up and down. But uh, yeah, but I'm going. I'm picking Lee Westwood this week. To win. I like. 
I like Lee Westwood uh, in this event. I don't know. I, I don't think I don't know if he's going to win it, but I think he's he's going to be top ten. Um, the reason I, I like Westwood because this this golf course you have to hit the ball real straight and you have to be a solid iron player. And I find Westy does both of those. Uh, doesn't putt the greatest, so that's why I'm always worried. I, you know, picking him to win. But uh, I think Westy off the tee and into the green is very, very, very consistent. So I think, you know, come Sunday, he's going to be somewhere in the, you know, the top, top 10. Uh, and, you know, maybe not quite in the mix, but he's going to be around there. Uh, and then I like, uh, I like Justin Rose. Uh, he's had a bit of a slow start. Hasn't played much. Uh, not on form. Yeah, but I, I, I like. Justin Rose again uh, drives the ball typically very well, and and if he does get the putter hot though, he can he can take this event uh, and go pretty deep with it. Uh, I like him, and uh, Justin Rose he hits the ball pretty far too, so I like that. And then uh, I had Danny Berger too. Um, okay. Yeah, he, he's been uh, pretty impressive to me lately. But yeah, those those are the ones I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna go too deep into it. I don't want to lose anyone any more money this week. So uh, yeah, I'm going. I like Westy. I like Rose this week, um, but Westy, I'm a big fan of Westy. So, did, did you even say who you think's gonna win? You like said Westy, and then you like backtracked. You're to the point where you're nervous to pick a winner. No, Ro- Rosie would be my pick to win. Okay. Um, I look at when I have my tickets, like you know, there's I, I always put there's a you know kind of ten to twelve guys that are at you know the most expensive guys in DraftKings, and I usually have one of those in the lineup and I try to spread it out and, and get more value picks to, you know, later down. It's funny that you said that Gibber, cause this week there's so many high value guys yeah. that you cut. Like that's why I ignored my DraftKings ticket when I was talking about, and I wanted to minimize the winners. Cause if we're getting chirped for picking too many guys, Hey, we'll prove them wrong the other way. So I only, I picked three guys. I also, um, I'm Kind of sad to admit this, but I watched coverage of the 2012 Honda Classic. I think it was 2012. <laughs> and Billy Horschel was like right in the mix. And he's kind of been on form lately. He would be, a, he's on my DraftKings ticket. He's a very good pick this week. Billy Horschel's number one in the power rankings this week, which I find that's uh, crazy. Fleetwood's the, be- Fleetwood's the betting favorite. Betting favorite. But yeah, PJ Tours guy, Horschel number one. Yeah, but yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Sorry. I thought that was like a off the cuff pick but guess <laughs> no not. i yeah i was i was shocked to see him there like, what's he done there? let us hear it buddy that's my favorite it, eh? time of the week i love it well shout out because two players that were on my ticket that just slightly missed were gary woodland and justin rose wow and i think they're gonna play great but you know what i like to do i like to pick the winner and i like to pick a couple guys like two guys that are good and maybe some off uh off guys but uh, I'll start off with the guy who I think is going to struggle this week, and that is crafty Bill veteran Mickelson. Jim Furyk. Oh, I thought you were going to say <laughs> Billy Bunny. <No. laughs> crafty veteran Jim Furyk, I think, is going to struggle this week. Just distance alone. I think him going in with a lot of hybrids and a lot of holes, uh, I don't think is going to serve him well. I really like Brian Harmon this week. Oh, If you look nice. back, he plays well on in the, on this course. Yeah. He plays really well on this course. That was uh, so my research Brian, pick. Yeah, you know what? Brian Harmon is right up there. You know that I'm a proponent of momentum, so I'm going right back to Victor Hovland. Nice. Do I think he's going to win? No. Do I see a top 30? Yes. Wow. All right, all right. Okay. I like I, Tommy I like Fleetwood. Oh, I like Tommy yeah. Fleetwood. I that's think that's like a... Nope. 
My oh, pick to see, win. See, I'm gonna tell you. You know why Colin always he he always everyone thinks he's the best picks. He doesn't got a salary cap to to contend with. He's just picked the top five players in this golf tournament. Wait, no, but, I got Harmon in there. Like, but, but previously he was picking three guys, and his pick to win it. I know. Finished with the I top know. two for three straight weeks. I know. That is right. mental. But yeah, that's why I'm more curious as to who. That's why I asked when he's talking and cut him off rudely. Is I want his pick to win. Yeah. So my pick to win, uh, Ricky Fowler. Ooh. All right. I didn't consider him once to be on my ticket, and I hope he proves me wrong. He needs to start playing uh, some good. Yeah. Golf. I. So for me, it's funny. I, I like I always say like when I look at the Masters, there's certain guys that I want to win the Masters because they get to come back every year. I want Ricky Fowler to win the Masters. I want him to come back. I like you said, he's great for golf. He you know he's done a lot of good things, especially that you know it gets the juniors really in the mix. Like you know you see him a million you know seven eight year olds run around the all orange outfit and the Puma orange flat brim. Now it's it's getting kids into the game. So I want Ricky to to you know he, he's got to get a green jacket at some point. But yeah, I, I like that you went with that pick. I want to see him to start start winning a lot more. He, he deserves it. He's such a good player. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. All right, fellas. Uh, the way we're going to end the show here today is with our review of the day. First, or Jacko, go ahead. So I was going to say, before you do the review, the re- review of the day, I wanted to give a shout out. Uh, so I monitor our followers on our, our Sunday Red Instagram page. I want to give a shout out to Christopher Salstrom. Uh, he, he's playing, he's a professional golfer, plays on the challenge tour, uh, over in Europe. He's 446 in the world, but he's following he's a, a loyal Sunday red listener. So better believe it. He's getting in the top hundred in the next two years. Our boy, Man, Christopher, like, he's jumping like, up, baby. Like three years ago, Tiger was ranked like 567th. I think his first name's <laughs> Chris. He's going to make that ascend right to the top Absolutely. I'm on his side. Yeah, he's got yeah. eight international victories. So this guy's a stud. Oh, and he wow. likes the play. Sunday Red podcast. Absolutely. Oh, love that. Yeah, likewise. Okay. That's his stroke of luck right there. Okay, so love we're going to do review of the day, and then I have one comment, and we can sign off here. Perfect. So review of the day. First review from the U.S. Nice. Ooh. Yeah, first review from the U.S. coming from Mr. 59. I know this guy, and yes, he did shoot 59. You okay? He has a five yeah. nine. Wow. He's got a five nine. He's the same guy who snipe hooked it in the tree and got the hole in one. <laughs> and that's his only ace. <laughs> yeah, it's his only ace. He shot fifty nine, and that same week he won a college tournament. That was a fifty nine this practice round, and then he actually won the event, which is impressive. If anyone's ever shot a low score to back that up, he's like Tiger at the medalist before he won the ninety seven uh, Masters. Fired a. F- yes. Was it the medalist that he did that at? Fired fifty nine and went off and. Went crazy. I don't know that. He shot. He shot fifty nine slightly before. I can't remember the course. Unfortunately, I'm blanking. But uh, anyways, Mister Fifty Nine said towel talk during the first episode. I knew it was a keeper when the guys discussed how they draped their towel on their bag. It's hilarious. It's just one example of how you get to know their personalities during the podcast. Keep the episodes coming. Big shit out. Shit. Out. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Different. Who would think I do this? <laughs> Big shout out to Mister Fifty Nine. Appreciate the review. That's you know what? That's awesome to hear. I I like that the towel segment's getting more. Like it gets so much feedback. It's great. Uh, good. Yeah, I like that. 
We I have more towel kind of things to discuss, but you almost have to wait till golf season. You know what I mean? Like you can't show yes. all your cards at once. Yeah. All right, Kari, what do you got? End us off here. Oh, sorry. I have like actually three quick things now that I'm just like reeling off. Uh, we we didn't talk about the Phil putting video, which is great because this is uh, going long enough as it is. Um, we'll talk about that maybe in future episodes that it's not a it's not a pressing issue. Uh, did you guys uh, see Jeff Ogilvy uh, the article on dumbing golf down or golf getting dumbed down? Uh, worth a read heading into the next podcast. I would like to discuss that. Once again, uh, Jeff Ogilvy's my great white Buffalo one day, one year, we're going to get him on this podcast and I'd love to hear his insights. Um, maybe for 2021, he could do our master's hole breakdown. Him and Gibbert can share it because I've heard his takes on the back nine Augusta and they're unbelievable. Really cool insight from someone that's uh, played the course, obviously. And, I call, can you, I'll tee you up for this, but I want you to describe it because you're a hundred times better at this than me, but we're going to have a giveaway on our Instagram page, right? Yes, we are. I think we should do it um, a week before Augusta. So we'll give some time to uh, people to enter the contest. And are we doing an SM8 wedge? We'll discuss, but yeah, we could okay. do that. I mean, I yeah, we could commit to that, right? Oh, yeah. yeah well, all right, we'll commit to it. Okay. It's committed. Um, can you uh, can you quickly just discuss how people would maybe enter or we could start something? Of course. So uh, first of all, at Sunday Red Pod, follow us on Instagram to get the obviously all the details on how to get in the contest. But if you're listening to it now, the one criteria for winning the wedge is you got to leave us a review on iTunes. If you're listening to the podcast, just a great way to get new listeners in. And uh, if you like what you hear, whether it's a one star or a five star, we do not care. But that's the the one way you got to get in is uh, by going to iTunes and leaving a review. Yeah, and if you're at if you're, if you're at it, might as well fo- toss a follow on Instagram as well. That's it. Well, that's <laughs> they got to get the details, so it's okay. Got it. And then maybe tag a friend that they can beat by at least five on the golf course. Oh, okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, uh, Jack, do you have anything to say before we uh, call our day? No, that that's all I want. I want all I want today was to make sure we gave uh, Chris Alstrom a shout out there. He wished him some luck, and then uh, yeah, that's it, boys. That's it for me. I you know, had a lot of fun today. Okay, I'm going to go break the course record at Pebble on the simulator we have here, and I'm going to have a couple pints while I do it. So I'm looking really forward to that tonight. Right, let's on. go. Yeah. All right, fellas. Uh, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast, if you're not subscribed, subscribe to the podcast, uh, like and share this out with a friend who you feel like would enjoy the episode, laugh at it or find it informative. We'll be back next week with another episode. It comes out every Wednesday. Until then, everyone, as always, keep swinging.